Baruchim Abayim B'Shem Hashem Berachnuchim Beis Hashem. Welcome back to our weekly Wednesday night year, and we mean weekly. Unfortunately, last week we missed this year due to Yom Tov. Um, no excuses, negligence, negligence. Guilty as charged. Dida Nishmas Yaakov Nachman Ben Tzvi Here Shalom Shalom and Bat Sheva. Tonight's year, of course, starts the day after Yisro Chag HaPesach. This Shabbos Mirza Hashem has a lot of milestones to it. This Shabbos is Pasha Shmini, the start. Shabbos after Pesach. Shabbos Mavarach Machidish. The day we bless the new month, the upcoming month of Chedish Iyer, which as we know and we've spoken many times, Iyer is an acronym, Rashatevis of Ani Hashem Reifecha, I am God that heals you. And of course all those that partook of a Seder of Pesach of Matzah, where Matzah, and one night was the Matzah of, he, of a belief, and one Matzah, one night Matzah, was the matzah of healing, and therefore the healing should come into, if they don't see it yet in fruition, should come into fruition into this very month, or even prior to the new month. This Shabbos we begin, Klal Yisrael joins together this time, we don't have a problem with Achenu B'nai Yisrael, we are joined one in one, where this Shabbos we will start the recitation of Pirkei Oves, the chapter of our fathers, which, as you all know, is always studied between the weeks of Pesach and Shavuos, and Mini Chabad, we read as well, we learn it as well each week, Shabbos after Mincha, throughout the summer until Rosh Hashanah. And of course, the reason is because the words of Pirkeyavis are known as Milsa the Chasidusa, words of Chasidus, words of strength and giving strength and our behavior, our connection with God. And since in the summertime, in the warm weather, people tend to get more lax in their service. They tend to slack off. It's harder to get up in the morning. There's more vacation time. And people start to less less frequently show up to the Minyan. When they go up to the countries, they... uh, if they have a minion, it's good. If they don't have a minion, it's also good sometimes. Tells us, Pekeyavis, how a person needs to act and behave in order to cope with the change of atmosphere. So this Shabbos, as we said, begins Pekeyavis. Also, we always have the Seder of the, Shab- of the days, of the Shiurim, that we have between Pesach and Shavuos, since there's a custom to study the 49 blot of Mesechta Seita, which have coincided with the 49 days of Sfirah Seimer, therefore we also take a little keta, a little part, a little portion of Mesechta Seita, which we also discuss. <coughs> during the Shiurim of between Pesach and Shavuos. That being said, as only a... <coughs> as only an introduction to tonight's Shiur, let us begin to embark on our Shiur. 
like to extend a mazel tov to my son Rachel Mendel and to his mm-hmm. Kala Esther, who are still hanging around here, um, obviously. They became Chasen Kala today, and Yetz Hashem Levaleinu Leteva, their Vart Lechayim will be on Sunday in our home. And hopefully, Mitzvah, their wedding will be in Yerushalayim, Yerakedesh, Yehidah Tivone, with Mashiach as Mitzvah Kedushin. Let us begin with the Parsha Shavua, Parsha Shmini. There are occasions where Shmini Shmena, where Shmini is read eight times. How can Shmini be read eight times since we have a custom? to lane on Shabbos Mincha up to Shani of a Parsha and Monday and Thursday as well in the olden days the people that didn't live in cities but lived out in the farms etc they could not always get to a city could not always get to a minion throughout the week but they got to a minion on Shabbos they were Yetzer with the Kriya of Shabbos Mincha for Mondays and Thursdays at least they knew that the coming week which Parsha they were going to read um, today's day and age, Baruch Hashem, we basically have access and are capable of getting to a shul, to a shul, to a minion, and therefore, Shabbos Mincha, Monday and Thursday is usually a kriya. When Pesach will come out at a certain kriyas, basically I believe it's on Shabbos, that Shabbos Mincha we would read the Pasha of Shmini, and then the following Monday and Thursday we would read Parashat Masha, not in the weekday, which is Biyamtiv, but rather after. It would turn out to be Shmini Shmena, that eight times Shmini would be read until we get to reading the Parashat Shavua. This year was not as such. We did not have such a lengthy visit with Parashat Shmini. We had Chitas of Shmini two weeks running, two weeks in a row, but we do not have the eight times of Kriya Pasha Shmini. The name of the Pasha. Shmini. Eight. What is the eighth? We're not going to go into the Kabbalistic connotations of the number eight. Pasha Shmini itself begins with the storyline of what happened in Yom Shmini Hashmini the Miluim. Yemeshmini Limiluim. On the second, we have a problem. Okay. The eighth day, Barakatad, you know the Mukhan Shakran, the Vari. The eighth day of Miluim. I'm going to mute you. The eighth day of the Miluyim, which was the preparation of the establishing of the tabernacle. I muted him. He doesn't hear me. Uh-huh. Whoops. Okay. Now I hear you. Sorry. Muting you. Didn't realize it was muting you that you couldn't hear me. Um, after the seven prior days where they were preparing and practicing how to set up and take apart the Mishkan each day. On the eighth day it was set up and it remained standing. And then began the actual Aveda, the actual service which took place in the Mishkan. One of the signs, the telltale signs of Kedusha, of sanctification, of holiness, that would that appears most profoundly 
Whoops. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Was vatetish with the Hashemah Techal Alam Zbeach, Esaila Vesachalom. The Pasik tells us a flame came out from before Hashem, consumed, ate what was on the Mizbeach, the Ela, and the Chalovim, and its fats. And what happens subsequently, chapter 9, verse 24, Pedic Pasik of Dalid. Subsequently, the Pasik tells us, Vayar Chalom, Haom, Vayarenu. The entire nation saw, trembled, and fell on their faces. This is a highlight. One of the highest points that tells us and brings about the achievement of the seven days and the greatness of this eighth day. Vayoyim Hashmini. And so begins our Pasha Vahibayim Ashmini. The Pasha continues and tells of a horrific tale. Aaron Hakoyim. The high priest Aaron had four sons, each one a pillar of his own, each one a scholar of his own, each one were almost an equal to their uncle and their father. And two of the sons, Nadav and Avihu, the two children, began a service in the tabernacle that was beyond their actual, that was out of their league, as we would say in America, they brought themselves to a level of what's called Ratsu. They so wanted to attach themselves to God. They so wanted to be one with God that they did something beyond what the human spirit or spirituality is to do. And they only wanted a one-way trip. They wanted to connect to God and they did not want to reconnect with the worldly mitzvahs. And therefore, a flame goes out and consumes them. But they were at a tremendously high level. It wasn't as if they were, God forbid, sinning per se. But for what they were supposed to do, the way they were supposed to be, the way they were meant to act, this was not becoming of them. And therefore, they were taken from this world, from our midst. Their entire body remained intact, but their insides were totally consumed by flame. Many connotations involving such. All they wanted was to become one with God. They didn't want to become a God. They didn't want to become higher than any other person. They didn't want to become anything special. They didn't want to become anything. They wanted nothing for themselves. They wanted only their chukka. Their yearning was so strong, they wanted to be attached to God. Did they die in pain? Probably not. The flames went in them and consumed them totally. Besides, they, their whole existence was blissful. They only wanted to be blissfully collect, connected to God. They were at such a high level of connection to God, no, I hardly doubt they felt any kind of actual reaction. That's in response to somebody's text now on the shir. Um... This tells us how great and what kind of high level the Jewish nation was at this point. That they needed to be warned about what's called Kalei Sanefesh. 
They needed to be warned, showed an example by the sons Nadav and Avihu of Aaron. Living examples that Kaleisanefesh from this tremendous thirst and yearning of godliness is not the way to go. A person needs to know that yes, my soul, I want to be one and I want to exist and, co- and only have godliness within me. But no, you're not a godly figure, you're a human being placed on this world with a particular mission. And your mission is to do mitzvahs, learn teda in a physical way. The Pasha ultimately starts to wind down towards the conclusion of the Pasha. A total tangential subject. One that does not coincide whatsoever with what we were just talking about about the great high level of the Jews on the eighth day, on the completing, what they needed to complete in the eighth days, in preparation to the sanctifying of the Holy Temple, to the people, the Jews, that were at Kaleis HaNefesh, that had reached such a level of holiness, of attachment to God, that they literally expired from the world. And it goes down to the concept of eating what are you allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat, What's, what insects can one eat and what insects can one not. Such an extreme. And first, the Torah begins to enumerate the animals that are clean, that are allowed to be eaten, and the animals that are not. And ultimately it comes down to the eating of vermin, of bugs, etc. A person that is shaykh, not out of starvation, God forbid. (laughs) The famous story of the child that she's told that he refused to eat. The the story shows us the devotion of a father. The child refused to eat. He was on a hunger strike. And the father begged and pleaded with the child. The child refused. Finally, the child acquiesced. He's going to eat. What will you eat, my child? Please tell me. Anything. The child said, I will eat a worm. What do you mean a worm? I want a worm from our garden, from our yard. Dig up a worm. Needless to say, the father was not exactly pleased with such words, was not exactly comfortable with the concept, but <laughs> what don't he do? It's some protein in there, whatever is involved, and the child has not eaten. And the child, God forbid, is going to kill himself. So the father goes out to the yard and he digs up a worm and he brings the worm on a plate to his son. And the son says, No, 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 daddy. I can't eat a raw worm. I need it fried in a pan. Oi. Oi. To put this worm in one of my pans. and to cook. But what will I not do for my child to make sure that my child is healthy? To save my child's life and to get him to eat something. And the father takes the worm and he puts it in the pan and he cooks it for the child. And the child puts it again on the plate now, the cooked fried worm, whatever it was. And the child says, wait, Daddy, I can't eat a whole worm. I only want to eat a half a worm. You eat here first, and I'll eat the other half. Once again, the father, in the turmoil, dilemma, in disgust. But for his child, what doesn't he do? And he cuts the worm in half, and he eats it, and he swallows it, and he's shaking from head to toe. And the child begins to cry. The child is so sad. He says, my child, what happened? What's wrong? He says, daddy, you ate my half. What don't you do for the child? The eating of a worm, the concept, the thought, and I'm sure my description didn't help you 
or build your appetite or nurture an appetite for you to want to eat a worm tomorrow morning for breakfast. The person eating worms, bugs, insects, out of choice, not because they had to, is the lowest form of human being. This is not what you're meant for. Nashi shall adam kotzebehem, it says. The Ramban, the Torah writes, on chapter 22, verse 8, and the Eredea is brought down as well, a person is revolted by such things. Alpiseichel. <laughs> What's worse than finding a worm in your apple? The second grader will tell you, finding a half a worm. It's the worst thing that can happen to a person. To open up and see that you were eating, that there was a worm in your food, a worm in your plate, a bug in your food. In simple English, ew! It's disgusting. And the tater does not take this lightly. And the tater warns against eating this. Who is the tater talking to? Tater is talking to people that have hit rock bottom. They've bottomed out. You know what, though? There are parishes in the tater that are not really complementary situations to Jews. Times the things that happened in the parsha that were not the best state, the best status. If you would bring in that parsha, such a parsha, these warnings as well, again re- making reference to the people that were not in the highest status of spirituality, it would make sense. But the beginning of our parsha talks about the shmini lemiluim, talks about the Brothers, not even of you that went out from Kolei San Nefesh because they were such a high level and wanted so to connect to God. In such a parsha, the Tater takes a 180 and talks about the lowest creature that is sitting and eating insects and worms. Vermin. Where does this coincide? How does this it's all under the capital, all under the chapter of Pasha Shemini. It's all one chapter. When it comes to discipline, whether it be a child, whether it be self-discipline, one of the main or the main ingredients for discipline is a concept called Kabbalah's Oil Malchus Shemayim. A person that accepts upon himself the yoke of heaven. That a person knows I don't say Aniva Afsi Oid. I don't say I don't say it's only me and it's all about me and it's all, I am the everything, the dual and end all, everything starts and ends with me. I don't say that my strength, the hand, the toil of my hands have created this, the toil of my hands have done this. But I understand with Kabbalah's Elmah Hashemayim, I don't see God pushing the buttons. I don't see God at the control panel. But I know that I accept it with what's called almost blind faith that God is in charge. And therefore I have Kabbalah's El. The Tata here is teaching us the value, the quality of Kabbalah's El. 
there are times when a person mentions that a person needs to have Kabbalah's ill, you need to accept the yoke of God. When you mention such a thing, you say, ah, you know who he's referring to? This reference is being made to lowlifes. People that are total in a level of prikas oil. They've totally thrown off the yoke of God. They've totally rejected the yoke of God. And they live freestyle freelance. That person rightfully is being reprimanded that they need to buckle up, revisit who they are and what their value is, and start to live a life with Kabbalah's hill. You don't have any yearning, you don't have any interest, any thought to connect to God, to be one with God. Therefore you, my child, need to be taught what Kabbalah's El is all about. However, on the flip side, the big tzaddik, the big learning person, learned person, who's doing everything right, who's practicing every mitzvah, Learning constantly, Tera. No. Fregich, dear my kind. Do I need to teach him Kabbalah's hell? No. An echtigetog. He is a complete package. He's got it all going for him. He is good. There, herein lies the mistake. Even though this person is doing everything right and seems to be righteous and seems to be holy and seems to be so connected to God, comes the Teda and teaches us that the essence of the service to God is based on Kabbalah's ill. No matter how high this person is, no matter how great this person is, the person needs to exhibit, study, practice, and most of all, accept Kabbalah's ill, the yoke of the heavenly yoke. A person cannot may not, is prohibited to serve God on his own understanding and emotional feelings. No matter how high, no matter what the source is of his understanding and his emotions. And therefore the base foundation of serving God and of everything that we do is having Kabbalah sale. If God forbid a person does not have Kabbalah sale, he can fall. And fall from the highest of levels to the lowest of low, and go down to eating worms. And therefore, even in the highest levels, where we talk about Pasha Shmini, in the beginning of our Pasha, we also need to come on to Kabbalah sale whether it's about Kalitz HaNefesh, no matter how high the person is spiritually. They tell over of Aristotle, who was a tremendous philosopher, a respected person. Everyone respected Aristotle for what he had to say and what he had to contribute to society. And one day somebody walked in and saw Aristotle on the floor of his house, barefoot, eating a limb of a live animal. 
like a barbarian. And he said, Aristotle, you? Is it possible to behave like that for you? And his answer was, now I am not Aristotle. When I walk out aristocratically on the street, I spew my brilliance and my genius and my philosophy, then I'm Aristotle. Right now, sitting here, chomping on this piece of raw meat from the live animal, now I'm not Aristotle. Another concept that we'd like to visit of this week's parsha. Vayhibayemashmini was the eighth day. Now there's a band that's called Eighth Day as well, a nice Jewish band in California. They call themselves Eighth Day. Seven is a very popular number in the Torah. Shabbos is Yemashvi, Sukkot and Pesach have seven days. Shavuos comes out on the seventh day, on the seventh week after Pesach. Shemitah is the seventh year. Yevil comes after seven Shemitahs, etc., etc. Seven is a very, very integral number. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. In Las Vegas, it's a lucky number. Don't even go there. Seven represents the cycle, this physical cycle, the natural cycle of the world. The Almighty created the world in six days, and the seventh day He rested. So a full cycle, according to nature, is with the number seven. The previous Pasha, Pasha Tzav, also ends off, we find, the concept of seven. <laughs> yes, they did. He made Abdullah, I think. No? I don't know. <laughs> someone, someone chimed in here. Eighth day played at the Chabad Teen event, Times Square. Um... I didn't know I had so many teens listening to the shir. <laughs> the finish and the completion of the Shiva Yemeim in which, as we said before, the Mishkan was dedicated. Ki Shivas Yomim Yemoleis Yedechem the Torah tells us in Vayikra chapter 8 verse 33. In the seven days you fulfilled your hands of Pesach El Meid, Teshu Shivas Yamim, and over there as well, verse 35, in the doorway of the El Meid you should sit for seven days, etc. Until the beginning of our Pasha, it hits a new concept. The number eight. And the Pasha opens up with Vayhi by Yoimashbini, it was the eighth day. So we ask the question. Seven days completed the cycle of the Chanukah Samizbeach. This was done on the seventh day. The next day, the, as known as the eighth day, was the Chanukah of Aaron Ubanov, Aaron and his children, which didn't have a direct connection with what was going on the last week. They only come in here now on the eighth day. So in that case, how is it a connection so much so that it's the eighth day of the seven prior? It doesn't even have technically any kind of connection. Let me strengthen this question slightly. Let us shed light on the number eight. 
seven is still a sign, a figure of a complete cycle. Eight tells us something above nature, above the natural cycle. The eighth, the godly light, when we say, Er ain't safe, the never ending light, whoops, This never-ending light is higher than the boundaries of creation. And therefore we can come on to the bottom line. On this day, chapter 10, chapter 9, verse 4, Pedic Tess, Pasuk Dalad, On this day, God has appeared to you. The revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if that's the case, how is it possible something that is higher than nature should be a continuation to the seven, which is the cycle of nature itself? Rabbi, why do you answer all the questions with a question? Why not, said the Rabbi? Let's add a question to try to defuse the question. Another question that's asked, it's known in Pedic Lamed Zion of Tanya. Al-Tareb writes, Shekol Gilea Elikus Hanaylim Shiv Meis HaMashiach All the great revelations of godliness that will come in the days of Mashiach Pulim Maisena Akshav are pending on what we do and how we act and behave today. How is that possible? Us simple, limited human beings are able to bring about the great revelations that will come in the time of Mashiach. How is this possible? However, explaining simply the revelations of the future, of the time of Mashiach, don't actually come. They can't possibly come as a direct result from what we do today. Why? Because there is a concept called Afarein Seif. And the Afarein Seif that comes between them does not allow this. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu requires from us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants and yearns to see from us to do whatever we can to achieve the highest possible levels that we can. And then He gives us as a gift, Milmaila, as a gift from above, these revelations in our service cannot be understood at all how that works. Similarly to this, we need to see Similarly to this, we need to see the connection of the Shiva Simeon to the eighth day. Although the eighth day is so much higher than the seven that prior to it, it still can achieve these great revelations of the eighth day. And how does that come about? It comes in the merit of what was done in the seven days prior. The fact that the Jews gave over full-heartedly what was requested from them, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave from above what they could not achieve on their own 
physical, mundane world, God gave us the power to achieve it from His own strength. This is what's hidden within our grasp, each and every Jew. We can bring about not just what we think and see that we can physically give and reach to, things that are way beyond, way out of our reach, out of our league, we can accomplish as well. How do we accomplish this? By showing, by giving, by going all out. Whoops. By going all out in God's work, we show, we achieve. And God says, show me a finger, I will give you a hand. Or even better yet, Pischili Kireshi Shamachat. God tells us, open to me, show me, in the world of Teshuvah. Only the little hole of the head of a needle. And I will open to you the gates of heaven. The very gates of heaven will be opened wide by just your involvement, by just your putting your finger to it. As we discussed, the whole beginning and end based on this very learning, very teaching. I'd like to turn the focus a little bit to Pirkei Avis. Chapter of our fathers, as we said, they studied. There are six perakim, Shabbosim from Pesach till Shavuos, six Shabbosim between. Each Shabbos after Mincha, we study one perik. The study of the perik of Pirkeiovis. Sometimes the missions, the perakim, are very long. The Rebbe recommended that we take each week one Mishnah out of the whole Pedic, learn the whole Pedic as simply as you can, just understand the words, but one Mishnah put full strength into. Learn it through and through. So we chose whoops we are choosing in Perek Aleph Mishnah Gimel Antignois ish seichai kibel mishimena tzadik Antignois from the city of Soho received his teachings of the Torah from Shimena tzadik who are Yahima, he would say. And this is, he would say oftentimes. Do not serve Hashem as servants who work for their master in order to receive reward. Rather, Ella. Be like those servants that serve in order not to receive any kind of reward. And and let the awe of heaven be upon you. Once again, making reference to what we spoke before, the awe, the yoke of heaven. Rav tells us, A person should always involve themselves in Tehidah Mitzvahs. Even if it's not with the full intentions, the proper motives. Why? Because, ultimately, even if it's for the wrong reasons now, 
it will lead you to the right reasons. Now it doesn't say bish ki because rather he says shemitoich. Shemitoich is for doing so for the wrong reasons. Shemitoich also means within. Because from within of the person, the person is doing it for the wrong reasons, deep down within every mitzvah, someone has a personal motive. It becomes Shalelishma. But even though deep down as such, but there is also a desire to serve Hashem for the right reason. Lishma. And that's the true desire of the neshama in every Jew. Every Jew is given a neshama tahira. This neshama tahira this neshama tahira can achieve, can reach to levels that we don't understand. So although you're serving God superficially, although the person is doing something that's not what looks like, seems to be 100% pure intentions, deep down there are pure intentions. If there is a sign that goes up and says, we are looking for people to come work in the king's palace to serve your beloved king. And you get chosen, you get not drafted, but chosen to do this wonderful honor and service in the king's palace. Who has to be paid? The fact that I am serving the king whom we love and adore that's such a beautiful, beautiful thought. How would I even think of asking for reward? And the same is also, says the Mishnah, the right attitude for serving Hashem. There's a great reward for every good deed a person does. But the greatest reward is for doing Hashem's will and wanting and yearning to bond with God. The Gemara tells us a story. Rabbi Shmuel Basasarti. I should cite where it is, huh? Uh, I have to remember where this Gemara is. Let's tell the story first, and we'll get back to the actual source. Might be a Gemara Exodus. Somewhere around Ein Zayin, I don't remember. He was once visiting Rome and he found the Empress's lost jewelry. And the Empress had declared a large reward for anyone who returned this within 30 days. If anybody waited after 30 days and returned this to her after 30 days, they would be killed. Death penalty. But within 30 days, the reward would be tremendous. Says the Yamada Rabbi Shmuel waited until after 30 days. And then he went to return the jewelry. The Empress asked him, Shmuel, maybe you are not aware of the warnings that I gave and said that this has to be within 30 days? Since you came, I'm sorry, I take it back. It's actually Gemara Yashalmi. 
The Gemara Yerushalmi, if you keep your score at home, it's above Metziah, Peri Beis, Halacha Hei. Maybe you're unaware. He says, no, I heard about them. So why didn't you return it within 30 days, she demanded. So I did not want it to be said that I returned it because I was afraid of you. I returned it because that's what God commanded us to do. And that's how we serve God. Who was Antignus? We said before he was the leader of Soho, a city that was in, in the portion of Shevet Yehuda. What's wrong with this internet tonight? He was the head of Sanhedrin after Shimon Atzadik during the second Beis Hamikdash. He had two students, Sadok and Baisus, who unfortunately misinterpreted the Mishnah, this Mishnah. And they misinterpreted it to say that there's no reward, reward for keeping the Tata. But also there's no punishment for transgressing. So they decided to stop keeping the Tata. And they tried to gain followers. But everybody said, you guys are such fools. And looking at them as fools, of course, obviously nobody's going to follow them. They realized that they were losing the battle here. They started to say that only Tereshavik only the written law, 24 books of Tanakh are from Hashem, but not Tereshavapeh. Not what the sages have written down. Unfortunately, this trick worked. And people joined their group and their followers were called Tzedukim. The Tzedukim we know. Ultimately, kept only mitzvahs in the Tera. They hung their tzitzis on the wall because the Tera says that so you should see them, etc., etc., etc. What enabled them to do this? To make such a terrible, terrible mistake? Oh my gosh. They still have a shul in California. The Karaites. What enabled them to make such a terrible mistake? Their lack of Yiddish Shemaim. Their lack of fear of God while they were learning Torah. And since, unfortunately, Antigna saw his two students, because of lack of Yiddish Shemaim, sway and go off the path, Therefore he ends this Mishnah, One needs to fear God. Pasik tells us, The nations will see God upon you, and they will fear you. We have made a Shemayim Aleichem. Another interpretation is as the Alter Rebbe was wearing his Tefillin Sharesh, which is considered Shem Hashem Nikra Elecha. It threw fear on all those that looked at him. Because the greatness, the Kedusha of the Mitzvah of Tefillin. There's a famous story of the Baal Shem HaKadosh. He found himself in Istanbul before Pesach. And he unfortunately had no money for matzah, wine. He had nothing. He was distraught. He was devastated by the thought of the Chas Hashem not being able to perform the mitzvah of Pesach. But as the Seder was getting closer, a Jew knocks on the door. He introduced himself as a traveling businessman. He has everything he needs for Pesach. And for him, for anyone else that wants to join him, (coughs) 
And so he was willing to join the Baal Shem HaKadosh. Baal was overjoyed. And he asked, say, ask for anything you want, he says. It shall be granted. Man was wealthy, successful, happy, loved. But unfortunately he was not granted with children. So he asked for a bracha for children and the Baal Shem Tov gave him the bracha. Immediately there was a great commotion in heaven. Because when the tzaddik decrees up above in heaven, there has to be a fulfilled. Hashem fulfills it. But this man and his wife were unable to have children. Hashem would have to perform a great miracle above nature for him to have a child, for them to have a child. But it would have to happen. And since the Vashem Tov caused this, a proclamation was issued from heaven. This couple will have a child, and the Vashem Tov loses his Elam Haba, his world to come, as punishment for forcing God to, do, to perform such a miracle. When the Vashem Tov heard this Baskil, he was ecstatic. And he called out, This is wonderful! Now I can be sure that my service of Hashem will be purely for the sake of serving Him. For serving Hashem with absolutely no reward on the, on the horizon. And this is the greatness of doing a mitzvah full-heartedly. The Gemara Masech, the Seita, as we know, talks about the woman that was not behaving properly with her husband, was warned and still went and did and spoke and talked. The Gemara tells us different things that can cause somebody to reach horrific, horrific levels. Arrogance, etc. Amr of Chister, of Chister says on Hayam and Aleph, towards the bottom of the page, Vitaim Marukva, Allah says, Marukva, Kalodim, Shiyesh, Begasas, Haruach, any person that has holiness of spirit, Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty says, Ein Anivahu, Yechidim, Lodr, Beilam, he and I cannot dwell in this world. It stated, he who slanders his neighbor in secret, him will cut, I will cut down, because one holy eye, expansive heart, him and I cannot bear. So we say, don't say the word, as I say, he and I, with him I cannot bear and I cannot coexist telling us in a very straight and formal fashion the Almighty creates the world for the world to coexist the Almighty did not create a world for man to eat man one of the most painful moments that God looks at is when his children are not joined hand in hand and therefore, as we know, the days of Svira, the morning of the days of Svira, is because the lack of Avas Yisrael between the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, which did not mean they hated each other, God forbid, but they had a very low tolerance level and could not accept what anyone else said because they lacked a little bit, as we say in Kabbalah's oil. So therefore, we will pray and hope that by the learning, the studying of Pirkeyavis, of Saita, and of this lessons of this week's Pasha, we will merit to true Kabbalah sale, and that we will merit the reward for that, 
which will be the eighth day, which will be the ultimate generation, the generation of Mashiach Tzidkenu, and this very Shabbos, to be in Yerushalayim, Yerakadosh, with Mashiach Tzidkenu, Shabbat Shalom to all.